Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's get into our text today. Uh, Miranda had already read it. Um, we're, gonna, we're still in the 2 Corinthians. The, um, uh, let's go ahead and read it and then I'll talk. Amen. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is right where uh, Pastor Eddie started last week. We're going to pick up um, on verse 15. 2 Corinthians 2, 15. For we are the God, or I'm sorry, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading unto death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Verse 17. For we are not as many peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our midst. We ask that you continue to be here. Pray that your words would go forward today to bring life, to bring encouragement, maybe to bring challenge. Lord, anything that you want to be done in this place, we give you permission right now. Holy Spirit, you take complete control. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You be, be seated, amen. God bless. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that this morning. So this, this month we are in the series, The Fragrance of Christ. That's the, uh, if you saw the banners hanging up, you can look up there, there's one. It is the, uh, the, based off of the Assemblies of God National Missions theme for this year. And I love this. Pastor Eddie last week talked about what it meant to be, um, to, to diffuse Christ among the people, the fragrance of Christ. Talked about the different ways we do it. All month long, we're going to be looking at this scripture from many different areas. We may or may not read the scripture every single week, but we are going to go to a few different passages. Some of them are on the screen and some of them aren't. So please keep your Bible handy. Keep it turned on. Keep it open, whatever version you're using. If you're using a scroll, keep it unscrolled, whatever you're doing today. People, people use all kind of stuff. But I love this passage. I'm just going to get right into it today. Um, so this week we're talking about something a little different, but I love the whole idea of the, the fragrance. I love this. I believe it's so prophetic to this day. There is power in scent. Pastor already touched on this a little bit last week, but I want to talk about there's power. You could be sitting in a room completely blindfolded and have your ears plugged, but if someone were to open a fragrance, a container of perfume, a cologne, or air freshener, in just a matter of moments, you wouldn't see anything, you wouldn't hear anything, but all of a sudden you would begin to smell something. It's the power of fragrance. Fragrance can also overpower a situation, a room. You'd be talking to somebody and they get a little bit too close. You're not listening to a word they're saying. All you can do is just realize how they're breathing in your face. Anybody else like that? Anybody else have a social bubble of about five feet? Like, I can hear you right there, bro. <laughs> just step right there. I can hear you. But the power of aroma, we can, have, we can have some fun with that. But that is the power of aroma. Aroma doesn't strive. Aroma doesn't fight and claw its way. It just exists, and it just dominates that room, and it, it creates an atmosphere in that room. If it's a pleasant smell, it creates a pleasant atmosphere. If it's a stank, it creates a very terrible experience. It just fills the air. It can even linger after you leave the room. I, I remember I was, uh, when I was uh, a teenager, I was in changing churches, and I, the Lord opened an opportunity for me to be a part of a worship ministry of a very large church, and it was, I was excited, I was nervous, intimidated, all that kind of thing. And I remember the worship leader there, a great man of God, he loved his cologne, man. I'm telling you what, it was like, it was like you felt the anointing and then you smelled the cologne. You didn't know which was stronger. 
And I remember that, you know, I would have, I had one service, I had to get a hold of him, and I didn't know where he went. And all of a sudden, I went to this room, and I smelled his cologne. And I kid you not, I'm running through the hallways like a hound dog, smelling the perfume, smelling his cologne, so I could trace him down, like, oh, it's getting stronger, and boom, there he was in a room. It can, uh, an odor, a smell, and aroma can, can linger in a room even after you've left. Um, Reverend Donna Barrett, she is actually the uh, Assemblies of God General Secretary. She was the very first female elected to that office. And I've referenced her before when I get to share. I, I love this woman of God. She, I love looking at her writings. They send newsletters out to the ministers monthly. We actually put those in the stream uh, for people to read. There's a newsletter and there's a magazine. So hopefully you're in there getting your coffee. You can read some of those. She wrote an article during COVID um, about how she felt like the, the enemy was taking the breath of, of, of God out of people. And it's a wonderful article. But I believe there's some truth in that. Because if you haven't realized the things as we follow the Lord... And full gospel Bible-believing church as we are, I believe that there are things in the physical realm that are translated to the spiritual realm. How many else believe that in this place? How many of you also believe that goes the other way? That there are things in the spirit realm that translate and show up and manifest in the physical realm? I believe that um, Jesus, you read the scripture, Jesus talks a lot about learning how to discern the times. The Bible says that he wept over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have missed the time of your visitation, for I have longed to gather you, but you've rejected me. He also rebuked the Pharisees, and he said, you guys can look at the skies and determine the weather, but you can't see the Son of Man standing in front of you. He also said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers because... Daylight will be gone soon, and you won't be able to labor. The Bible talks a lot about seasons and things and, and times and signs. One of the things that was impacted during the COVID years was a sense of a loss or a damage or an impaired sense of taste and smell. How many remember that? Like that, was like, that was like the number one symptom you would look for. I, and a little bit of a side note on that, I, I just like to give the Lord that that was something that when I had COVID in November of 2021, that is something that hit me very hard. And for the past year, I've been dealing with a lot of, of long COVID symptoms. And there's others here at the church. We formed a little support group. We talk and text with one another. But it, it, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my thoughts together and everything. I want to share this maybe on Facebook Live or something. I don't have time to go into detail today. But for a year, this was something that I was dealing with in a very terrible way. And if you've dealt with it or know someone who's dealt with it, it creates this hopeless feeling, this sense, feeling of isolation. And can I tell you that during the week of prayer and fasting that God touched me and greatly, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but it's about 90% healed. And I am I'm excited. So I just want to say that if you're in this place still dealing with that, there is hope for you. There is healing for you. If you're at home dealing with that, there is healing for you. There is hope for you. Uh, it was during that week of prayer and fasting. I'd like to share the details, but at another time. But let's go, um, let me see, let me try to get through here. I want to make sure we have enough time. But we're going to talk about different, different aspects of this. Because when our taste and our smell is impaired, you know, we always rely upon the nose. What's that saying? The nose knows. You know, you check the date on a carton, but what do you do, moms, when you want to smell the milk? That's right. Or you smell the lunch meat. And during that time, I had, had my fair share of tainted milk and lunch meat because I couldn't smell or taste properly. Um, and it was just very tormenting. But I believe it's done more than the physical. I believe it's also done that to us as a society. We have people that just... We're calling right, wrong, and wrong, right, and up, down, and down, up, and this, that. And, and we're getting a lot of people that are caught up into a lot of crazy things because we've been, we've been walloped into a big frenzy. But when I was going through that time and I couldn't rely on the senses that I always relied on, I had to really pay attention to dates and labels. 
The scripture came to my mind in Hebrews 2.1. He says that during these times we need to give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard lest we drift away. And I believe we're in that season where people have gotten tired and distracted or impaired and we're drifting away. So I love how prophetic this is with the fragrance of Christ. I love this because the fragrance of Christ literally means the knowledge of Christ. When Jesus came, he came as a representative of heaven. He came as a representative of the kingdom of heaven. And he taught the kingdom of heaven. He taught kingdom principles. He didn't teach anything else. He taught kingdom principles. And he was there to represent the king of glory, to represent heaven. And so we are to be the ones that are dispersing the knowledge of Christ. Today we're going to look at specifically the fragrance of righteousness. The fragrance of righteousness. Because I believe for the past few years, we've had just smell and taste issues all around the world. We've had the smell of death. We've had the smell of depression. We've had the smell of discouragement. I believe the Lord is saying it's time that the fragrance of Christ be released in the world from all four corners, all over the globe. Let the fragrance of Christ overcome the fragrance of death that has come that people would smell the sweet aroma of the precious rose of Sharon the lily of the valley and they would taste and see that the Lord is good man may not be good politics may not be good systems and societies may not be good but the Bible says there is one good the aroma the fragrance let it fill this planet so today we're going to talk about what is the fragrance of righteousness Now, when I say the word righteousness, we all probably have a preconceived idea of what goes into our mind. Let me grab my water. I got two waters given to me today. You almost really want me to preach hard. I wasn't, I'm just going to do a little teaching today. I even wore my casual clothes. Hope that doesn't offend too many people. But when I say the word righteousness, many of us have a preconceived notion. Maybe it's a religious person, maybe someone in a suit, maybe someone in a robe. Uh, let me read you the definition. The word righteousness means divine approval. It says this, it refers to what is deemed right by the Lord after his examination. What that means is the Lord looks at it and he judges it. I think our society would be a little further along if we would take a minute to look at something and read the fine print. I think if we took a minute and examined what's really being said, we wouldn't fall for so much stuff. I believe if we would look to see what's really being done, we wouldn't fall for so many things. We see this in creation. Every time God created something, what did he say? Y'all didn't read your Bible? I can't hear you. Come on. What did he say? It's good. That's right. The Bible says man created this. I'm sorry. God created this, and he said it is good. God created this, and he said it was good. His divine approval. We see the word righteous found in Scripture the very first time is in Genesis, describing the man called Noah. Could it be that the fragrance of righteousness in, 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 in Noah's life caught the nostrils of the Lord before he destroyed the planet with a flood? He said, is there anybody? Because the Bible says that the hearts of men and their, their imaginations were constantly wicked before the Lord. We think it's bad now. Think about the days of Noah. Then the Bible says that Noah was righteous in the sight of God. If Noah hadn't had that fragrance of righteousness about him, We understand that Noah and the ark, it's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. We wouldn't have that story with Noah. God used Noah to preserve mankind. That's powerful, isn't it? We also see it in in the life of Abram. The Bible says that he believed God and it was appointed to him for righteousness. The fragrance of righteousness. 
So we're going to talk about righteousness. So today I want to tell you the first thing is this. The cost of real righteousness is very expensive. Righteousness is very expensive. In fact, if it is the most expensive thing in the universe, in the mall of eternity. Imagine if eternity was represented like a shopping mall. Remember those places we used to go and hang out and see our friends and eat at the food court? How many know what I'm talking about? I went to a mall during Christmas time, and I had never been more depressed in my entire life than walking into a place because, I mean, I remember the mall was like the place, man. Uh, maybe it will be again one day. But you know what I'm saying? If you go to the mall and you go to the different shops and you go to the different stores and you see the stores the world has to give, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. Maybe you see a religious store that has a, you know, a pretty cross or whatever. Or maybe you go to these other stores. If you went to the, cro- the store of righteousness, it would be so expensive you probably couldn't even enter the door. Because righteousness is the most expensive thing in eternity. It is literally the purpose of the animal sacrifices. Do you understand that? That we have a holy God who is, is, is supreme and that the Bible says that he can't even look upon sin. In fact, he had, and in the Old Testament, we're familiar with this, that's what instituted the whole temple, the tabernacle, the sacrifices on the altar. In fact, if you read that, there were certain places that the children of Israel couldn't even go because the Bible said, lest the glory of God consume them. It wasn't that it was, you know, people read that and totally misunderstand that God was doing that, squishing us like a bug. No, God was just so awesome. His awesomeness overpowered and overshadowed you. It just, oops, it just happens. That's the power of righteousness. And so Jesus' death on the cross is so powerful. Because the Bible says that our righteousness are his filthy rags. Because as God has righteousness, let me tell you that the enemy through our flesh, has created his own counterfeit called self-righteousness. In case you haven't realized, you have an enemy of your soul. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Satan hates you with that same level. He wants to destroy you and kill and destroy you. And so he comes up with a counterfeit in everything in the kingdom of God. And so many times we see righteousness, and we're going to talk a little bit about more what that means today. Let us not fall into the trap of becoming self-righteous. So we first have to understand the cost of righteousness is real. Listen, just because something is free to you doesn't mean there's no price. Somebody had to pay that bill. Remember how when you were a kid, you'd go to your friend's sleepover and there'd be chips and pop and cupcakes and all kind of stuff and you would just eat yourself into a food coma and just love yourself and then go home? You didn't realize that somebody had to pay for those chips. What about that family member that comes to the barbecue in the summertime and don't bring a thing but eats two plates and takes two plates home? I don't have anybody in my family like that. I'm just saying, you might have somebody in your family. You might have some friends like that. Like, you have to go times the barbecue. Oh, we didn't do that this year. Because you know what I'm talking about. You had to pay the price for that. Now, righteousness is a two-sided coin. And so if you look back at the, at the text here in 2 Corinthians, he says something very interesting. Last week, Pastor Eddie talked about the fragrance of Christ and, and diffusing. This week, we're going to talk about the latter part of that verse. What Paul is saying about the people, how to be the righteousness, how to be the heart of Christ. And he says something very interesting here in verse 16. He says, to one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and the other the aroma to life leading to life. Now we may be just tempted to skip over that, but let me explain to you what that means. In the ancient, in the Roman procession, when they would come back from battle, they would have a parade, much like we just celebrated the Super Bowl. Well, we didn't, but Kansas City did. But, you know what I'm saying, they had a parade, and they, they, they would do that back in those days. They, the victors would come back, and they would have a parade of the soldiers and the prisoners and the people, the things, the trophies, the gold. They would, they would have a parade celebrating. And in that procession, one of the priests 
would stand at the very front of the line and he would wave incense. Uh, much like some, some of our churches today will do incense, but this, this was a different uh, ritual. And so the, the Roman high priests or whatever gods they were serving, whatever deities they were worshiping at that time, were waving incense. And here, here's what he's saying. He's saying to the soldiers, to the ones who fought the battle, the smell of that incense was wonderful. It represented victory. It represented, you know, I just got, I won the battle. I, 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 I'm victorious. Everyone's cheering my name and, and loving me. So that aroma represented the victory. But to those that were captured and they were either going to be sent to death or slavery, they smelled that very same aroma and it meant death to them. They knew that their life was over. This is why that's a type of Christ because Jesus is the only one, the only name that causes a reaction. You can be in a public room and you could say God, you could say Buddha, you could say Muhammad, you could say whatever. But you say the name of Jesus, then it makes you make, it forces you to make a decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? You, it forces you to make a decision. And so this is what Paul is saying in this passage, is that when we become the fragrance, it is a two-sided coin. There's things that don't, I don't understand. In Psalm 116, the Bible says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. There's a, there's a, a commerce of eternity that we just quite don't understand. But it, let's go to Romans chapter 3. And I want to talk to you about uh, the power of... I'm sorry, the cost of this thing of righteousness. In Romans 3.21, I'm going to read this very quickly. He says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. This is a powerful passage because righteousness goes from being an attribute of God to an action of God. This is powerful. Listen to me. Righteousness goes from an attribute of God. God is righteous. How many would agree with that? God is righteous. In that moment, he realized that no one else could be righteous through the law or through anything. So in the moment, through his son Jesus, he became, his righteousness became an act to proclaim those who were unjustified, justified. To proclaim those, to proclaim those who were sinners, clean in his presence he was the only one that could do that he uses a word here called propitiation it's probably not in any of our vocabularies honey would you please give me the sugar propitiation the word means substitute in a crude way of interpreting this is what it means it means let's pretend that you three young men want to help me out real quick come on up come on up real quick come on let's give us a love this will be real fast. This will be real fast. I want you to line up in the order that you are. Boom, 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 right here on the platform. Okay. This is what's going to happen. And you guys can face me. It's fine. In a single file. Single file. Just how you were. Nope. Just how you were. Just, like, yes. Thank you. Here, stand a little bit this way. Okay. So I'm going to show you what this word means because a lot of times we have a misconception. Propitiation literally means in place of. So when the Bible says that God's righteousness consumes the sin of mankind, 
Jesus came to the cross, we think it this way. Jesus came to the cross and said, Lord, uh, have mercy, don't inflict your wrath on sin. That's not what that means. This is what this means. You're going to be God. All right? (laughs) I want you to stand this way. You're going to be Jesus. I want you to stand over here for a minute. And you're going to be the sinner. Man, I should have picked some shorter people. I feel like I'm all outnumbered. (laughs) You're going to be the sinner, okay? When this man has sin in his life, he is under judgment of God. God, make a fist, okay? Not that God is trying to do anything. uh, It's just, like I say, God cannot look upon sin. So God's righteousness and judgment is going to just obliviate the sin, the sinner, right? Without Jesus, we all know we go to visit eternity in hell. This is what happens. Jesus comes. Put your arms out, Jesus. Jesus comes and does this. Takes the blow of God. Do you understand that? He doesn't go to God and say, God, uh, no, back off. And God goes, okay, then turn around. That's what we think, but that's not what this passage tells us. So we understand that Jesus didn't do away with the, the righteousness and the wrath of God. He absorbed the punishment for us. Do you understand that today? Come on, give us some praise. Thanks, guys. So we understand, that's how we can say, Lord, I give you my all, because it wasn't that you just talked God out of it. It was that you got between me and the paddle, and you took what the stripes were supposed to come. Do you understand that today? That's enough to make us all shout and run around this this church this morning. The old song said that I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone. He paid a debt he did not owe. That's what he's talking about. That's why righteousness is so expensive. Because it costed Jesus everything. See, God had to provide a way with a capital W. The old church used to call it the way. In the book of Acts, following Jesus is called the way. He had to make a system. He had to make a a way of redemption. So he did call the cross so that he could declare the sinners righteous in the sight of God. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why there's no righteousness apart from Jesus. The old hymn of the church said, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he We need to do that one, I guess, in a couple weeks on a Sunday. The second thing is this. Go to to Matthew chapter 5. Some of these were just too long to put on the screen. Matthew chapter 5. So the first one is the cost of righteousness. Do you understand this morning how how expensive righteousness is? That's why when we try to come with our own righteous attempts, Jesus is like, get that off-brand out of here. Because Jesus paid it all with his life, literally. So that's the cost of righteousness. Number two, I want to talk to you about the call of righteousness. The call of righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 17, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Everybody say that word, fulfill. Fulfill. Let's uh, keep going. He said, for surely heaven and earth will pass away, not one part of the law. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 20. For I say to you, let your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is powerful. This is powerful. That word, because a lot of times we feel and we understand maybe theology, I'm getting a little, in a little theology this morning, a little, little doctrine to help us out. Because a lot of times we realize that, you know, we're not under the law, so we can do anything we want. Well, I, I enjoy my bacon cheeseburgers. How many else enjoy it? You know, you understand? Okay, I understand that. 
So I'm glad that I'm not under the, the old covenant, the Mosaic law, but we neglect something. Let me tell you, this is very powerful. The word fulfillment means to fill out or expand. Complete. Not bring to an end. Did you catch that definition? It means to complete it. It doesn't mean to bring it to an end. Let me show you an example, maybe this way. If you're like me or my wife, you have an app on your phone called Amazon Prime. And maybe you're like me or my wife, and you have a habit of just Amazon Prime and anything and everything that you want to see on there. How many want to admit that in church today? You know what I'm saying? Who needs to go to a mall? I can just sit right here and order anything and everything I want. I get it. I do the same thing too. Did you know, we got some people that attend here that work for Amazon. Did you realize that they're what we would call warehouses? They actually call them a fulfillment center. Do you understand? That's the terminology behind it. This is what it means when Christ fulfilled the law. Pretend that you were online and you were looking for some new shoes. Right? You were getting some new Air Forces. Not the black ones, right? That's a joke. You got to understand the, the generation. Okay, so, so you're on there, and all of a sudden, you, you hit that button, boom, and the package to be expected to arrive in two days. Those are awesome. Isn't that awesome? That's like, woo, that's almost prophetic. I'm getting a package in two days. I love it. And all of a sudden, two days come, and nothing happens. Three days come, nothing happens. Then you start suspecting your neighbors, because you know they've been stealing your stuff anyway. <laughs> and then what happens? And you don't get anything. Then you call the customer service, and you say, hey, man, I ordered my package. Where is it? I don't know, let me call down to the, uh, to the fulfillment center and find out. Oh, your package was fulfilled. Well, where's it at? Oh, it's just sitting here at the warehouse. It's, it's over. How many of you would really settle for that? You mean, I paid my money and it's sitting in that warehouse? This is what Jesus said. He didn't fulfill the law to do away with it. He fulfilled the law to complete it so that it would complete its mission. Because the law never justified anybody of sin, but it did expose the sin. Here's what I'm saying. So Jesus came to fulfill the law. By fulfilling the law, the package that came out was the new law that he gave us in this passage. He had to have gotten their attention when he said, if your righteousness does not exceed the Pharisees, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because they understood that the Pharisees were very much, I mean, too, according to the law, they did everything. And Jesus said, if you don't follow the law, you're not going to enter into heaven. Let let me keep going here. The word acting righteous means this. Act in according with divine or moral law. Free from guilt and sin, which means morally right or justifiable. Listen, no one could live the law. No one could live the law. Jesus fulfilled it for us and gave us a new one. So he wants us to take this new fragrance of righteousness that we can all be justified he wants us to take that into the highways and into the byways and not just sit in a warehouse called church he wants us to take what he has done for us to testify of it and take it into the streets and be christ among us the fragrance of righteousness among the those that need it if you look at this context this is a very transitional passage if you look just a few verses to the left or above you, we have what's called the Beatitudes, a beautiful, wonderful segment of Scripture that the Lord preached. In that passage of Scripture, we're told how we should be. We should be meek. We should be uh, this. We should be that. Make peace. And then we have this verse that fulfills the law. 
And I love as you keep reading, he begins to give us context of this righteousness that begins in the heart. Because he says, you have heard it said, if you murder, you'll be in judgment. But I say to you, if you have murder in your heart against your brother, you're guilty of murder. If you have lust in your heart for that other individual, you've committed adultery already. If you call your brother a fool, you are in danger of hellfire. If you are angry with your brother without a cause, you are in danger of hellfire. He gave us a new fulfillment of the law, but he didn't just sit in a warehouse. He told us how we are to execute this new law. So we don't need to walk around in our robes and in our religiosity and in our this and in our that. We need to be the fragrance of righteousness to not have murder in our heart, to not have covetousness in our heart, to not have anger in our heart. You understand what I'm saying today? Let's keep going. So righteousness is a heart thing. In fact, if you look at that verse in, in verse 5, Matthew 5, 6, he says this. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's look at that word hunger just for a moment. I, I found this fascinating. Let me, let me encourage you, as you're studying the word of God, you, let me encourage you to, to get some references. We, have, we do that on Wednesday nights, different ways, different methods. But you've got to learn how to study the word of God. And one of those ways for me is a good old-fashioned Bible dictionary or a concordance or a lexicon to help understand the definition of these words. Listen, the word hunger literally means this, to famish or to cry. How many of you parents know that your kids come around right at, maybe right after school, right before dinner? I'm starving. Let me know what I'm talking about. I'm starving. What do you say? You ain't starving. You don't know what starving is. I tell my kids, when's the last time you dug in a garbage can for food? Shut up and wait for the macaroni and cheese to get done. Now, this is very interesting to me because the Bible tells us many times to desire things. The Bible says desire spiritual gifts. The Bible says if a man desires a woman, he desires a good thing. The Bible says if a man desires to be in office at the church, he desires a good thing. This is not the same word. This is two different things. Desire in one aspect that I'm talking in those scriptures simply means choose. Hunger in this context is basically out of necessity rather than a choice. Do you remember when your kids were babies? We got our, my grandnephew that's floating around here and it's reminding me of when we were raising our kids. You can set a watch. Every, what, three hours or so, that baby's going to let out a squall because he is hungry for something. How many remember those days? How many live in those days now? That baby didn't wake up and go, Mom, Dad, you know, I just saw a commercial for this baby formula the other day and it looked really well. I think I'd like to maybe try that. You know, I'm just kind of tired of what I'm having. That's called desire. That's called choice. He lets out a squall, a scream, Somebody give me something because I'm going to die. That's what it means to hunger and thirst. It means that you don't just want it. You have to have it. Because let me tell you something, whatever you're born of is what you will hunger after. You see, Jesus in this same period of scripture said that we are to be salt, we are to be light. And if we lose our light, if we lose our savor, we're no good for anybody. If we lose our hunger, we're no good for anybody. If we're hungering after the world, we're going to cry for things of the world. If we're hungering after the things of God, then we're going to cry after the things of God. We need to get to a point where we are no longer satisfied with the things of the world, but we desire the things of God. We can't sleep until we experience His presence. We can't think straight until we follow Him with all of our hearts. How many know what I'm talking about today? If you are born of the Spirit, you will desire more of the Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus told his disciples, I have food that you don't even know of. You see, this is of a heart. Romans 10.10, famous scripture says, For with the heart one believes into salvation, but with the mouth confession is made. 
So righteousness is in the heart. Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite life verses says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Everything begins in the heart. Everything begins in the heart. We're talking about missions. We're trying to raise money. Listen, missions begins in the heart. We're talking about worship time. Worship begins in the heart. We don't need to have words on a screen or instruments. Worship begins in the things of the heart. Sacrifice and serving begins in the thing, begins in our heart. Everything we do begins in our heart. That's why it's so precious. Now, every time Jesus would teach, he would say, if he's that has the ears to hear, let him what? So you understand that there's always two types of individuals in every story. There's always a wheat and the tear, the sheep and the goats, the narrow way, the broad way. You know what I'm saying? Jesus always makes you choose, right? There are two things in this passage I want to look at. In verse 17, this is talking about why is it so important to have a heart of righteousness. This is why. In verse 17, he says that um, uh, we don't go, we're not peddling merchandise as some do, but out of sincerity of heart, we come as servants of God. Let's, we'll talk about that first one later, but let's talk about the second one. The word sincere as sent from God means authentic. Actually, the Greek word is elekrinia. I'm learning Greek from when we go there on our mission trip. Oh, yeah, the elekrinia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It literally means purity, clearness. This is how it means. To be judged in the light of the sun. Woo! Have you ever got dressed in the dark and you go outside and realize you got a big old stain on your shirt? Or maybe your shirt's a little wrinkled, or like I did one time and you had a woman's shirt on. We got some new uniforms from work, and I used to get up like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, so I, didn't, I, was, I learned to be like a ninja. I'd get dressed in the middle of the night, I don't want to wake anybody up. Lord, have mercy, going to wake nobody up. And so I would get dressed in the dark, and I would leave, and I had this shirt that just didn't feel right. It just was tight, hugging me, short-sleeved, and buttons wrong, and long story short, I'm fighting with it all day. I had my coat on. So finally, when the, I'm out in the daylight, I said, what's wrong with this shirt? And I looked. This was a woman's uniform shirt that got mixed into my batch of uniform. Had a collar that was all big, and the shirt had shape to it. I had to go home in the middle of work and change my shirt, walk around with a woman's shirt on. That's something I'm into. I know we're in a different, I'm just saying. So I had to, like, you know, change that. Some people are like, what's wrong with that? Help us, Lord. I just lost the church. I'm just saying the sunlight can expose you. You know, like I say, you walk out and you're like, man, where'd that stain come from? How long has that been there? You want to judge something's brightness, judge it by the sun. If you want to judge something pure, judge it by the sun. That's what this word means, sincere. That means our heart is pure as the sun. There's no impurities there. There's nothing there that would, ugh, it's crystal clear. Amen? It literally means that when we put on Christ, others see Jesus when they see us. See, there's a passage that the, the disciples and Jesus were walking through a field. The Bible says that they were plucking grain, heads of grain, and they were eating them as a snack. And the Bible says the Pharisees came out of nowhere and said, Aha! I just want to know, what were they doing? Hiding in a bush somewhere to see what Jesus' and disciples were doing? Come on, guys, I know he's going to do something in the weeds today. Can you picture that? But that's what happened. They said, Aha! Jesus, we got you! You're eating with unwashed hands. And he said, haven't you read the law that whatever goes into a man and to a body is eaten, digested, and eliminated. That's not what defiles a man, but what defiles a man is what comes out of his heart because your hearts are full of greed, wickedness, selfish ambition, lies, and adultery. That's what comes out of our heart. 
So when we have Jesus, the righteousness of God in us, it's not that we walk around pompous and full of ourselves. It is that when we, when Jesus, when we see people through the eyes of Jesus, we see them not as that annoying, obnoxious person, but we see them as someone that Jesus died for. And when they see us, they literally see Jesus. When they hear our voices speak into that situation, they hear the voice of God. When they feel us touching them, they feel the touch of God. That's what it means to be Jesus. The third point is this, the commission of righteousness. Now there's a story that, that you can go to Luke chapter 10. The, story, the, the, the commission of righteousness. Because the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. So we have a cost of righteousness, very expensive. The call of righteousness, it has to be at the high level in our hearts. The third is the commission of righteousness. Make things right. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. There's a story that I want to read. Because, it, guys, we have to be Jesus in the streets. We have to be Jesus at home. We have to be Jesus at work. We have to be Jesus everywhere we go. We have to be Jesus and not seeing people as black or white or on the red side or the blue side or the rich or the poor or many degrees or didn't graduate high school. It doesn't take much of us to start, you know, differentiating between people. No, we are to love and to reach out and to be the righteousness of God, the fragrance of Christ and show them forgiveness, show them a better way. This is the commission of righteousness Now, Jesus had a conversation with a young man, and he said, a certain lawyer, and he said, Jesus, what must I do to eternal, inherit eternal life? And, and I'm just paraphrasing. And he says, you know, what do the commandments say? And what do you say? He recited the commandments. Jesus said, yes, do that and receive eternal life. But the Bible says that Jesus told a story here in verse 29, or let's go to 30. And Jesus said to him, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and left him for dead. Now, by chance, a priest came by. When he saw him, he went to the other side of the road, likewise a Levite. But a certain, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, gave him his own animal, took care of him. And on the next day, he departed, took out coins, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever you, more you may spend, I will make it right when I come to you. Verse 37, he said, Jesus said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. You see, in that same verse of the Beatitudes we just read, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the very next Beatitude is blessed are the merciful. It goes hand in hand. Righteousness, true righteousness is in the heart. And a true pure heart is a heart of mercy. And the true righteous heart is the fragrance of Christ. I love this because, listen, Jesus didn't call us to, as the pastor says, have a Pentecostal picnic. I love to get together. I love when the gifts flow. I love when the presence is here. This is awesome. But this isn't the end of God in our lives. This should be the fueling up center for us to go out there and to send the gospel out there and to preach and to teach and to love out there. Amen? Now, Jesus was very deliberate in this story. He was talking to a religious guy who knew the law in front of a Jewish audience who had great animosity against the Samaritans. I love this. Now, when you look at this passage, the priests and the Levites were obeying the law because they saw that this man was dead. The members said they left him for dead. So according to the Levitical law, they, were not suppo- they weren't to touch it. So they, were, they get a bad rap, but they were following the Levitical law that they were under. See how the law is? Now... 
They didn't even take time. They just presumed. The Samaritan took him, gave him medicine, put him on his own animal, picked up that dude, picked up that lady in their own car, gave them a ride. Then the Bible says he took him to an end in the next morning. You know what that tells me? It tells me he spent the night there. He didn't just dump him off and said, now he's your problem. No, he spent the night there. How many know the night seasons are the worst seasons? I see this a little deeper, if I may, just go a little little deeper prophetically. This man, the Bible says his clothing was stripped off of him and he was beaten. Clothing always represents identity. And I believe we have a generation right now that is struggling with identity. And their identity has been stripped by the thieves and robbers called Satan, the deceiver, who has lied and deceived many by telling them they're someone they're not. And the Bible says that these people are laying by the side of the road and he's looking for somebody to not go through and judge them and not go through and wag their finger, but to come alongside and say, I know you're broken. I know you're naked. I know you're defeated, but I got something that you need. I've got the oil. I've got the wine and I've got a place of rest for you. Let me come in your trouble nighttime and let me help you heal and let me help you restore. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, the last thing is this. You have a choice of righteousness. And I got an illustration. How many give me 10 minutes to do this illustration? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sister. We're talking about the aroma of Christ. You know, when I was, Pastor was talking last week about these aromas, Dracar and Polo. Don't let, him, don't let him joke you. He had all that stuff and was drowning in it too. And I remember that, you know, when me and my cousins were, we were a few years behind, so we didn't have jobs yet. So we would go to a place called, we wanted to smell like our older brothers. So we'd go to the world's playland called Gibraltar Trade Center. How many know what I'm talking about? How many remember what I'm talking about? And you walk in there and they had everything known to man. And so you smell that sweet aroma and you have to go to the knockoff perfume shop. We learned really quickly that there's a reason why they had the cheap prices. Because you walk up and it said polo, but you walk up and it said po. And all of a sudden you spray that on, it stains your clothes, it stains your skin, it got into your bloodstream. You couldn't get that off with paint thinner. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm talking about food, if I can make it turn a corner. I grew up with a mama, and my mama was a little old school. We'd always have a talk in the parking lot before we went in. She'd always get down on her knee and she'd say, now Stevie, don't you get in that store and embarrass me. Don't you get in there and ask me for a thing. I will take you to this car and I will wear you out. That was her favorite thing. I will wear you out. I'll be like, I'm saying, I will wear you out. That was like her favorite saying. Like, I will wear you out. I didn't even know what that meant, but it was scary. And so I'd say, oh, yes, mama. So I'd always have to hold her hand, be 13, holding her hand in the parking lot. I was the youngest child. We walk into the store and then she sat in the car. And then if mama's in a good mood, I begin to just push the envelope a little bit. And I'd say, mama, can we get that snack? And then she'd look at me and she'd say these dreaded words that you all know what I'm about to say. No, honey, we got that at home. Mama, can I have these chips? No, honey, we got that at home. Mama, can I get this cookie? No, we got that at home. Can I get this new toy? No, we got that at home. Can I use the bathroom? No, we got that at home. So later in life, I'm an adult. I go to the grocery store. Lindsay sends me with a list. I come back with nothing. She says, why don't you buy stuff? I'm just used to having it at home. Now, fast forward a little bit. So I'm, I'm, the, I, I'm not that quite that way, but I'll tell you how I really am. So the other day, my kids were wanting a certain snack from the store. We're in the mood for some Oreos. We're in the mood for some Oreos. 
And so this is how I do it. So when I was at the store, I said, you know what, guys? If you want a snack, you want some Oreos, I'll help you out. I didn't say we have that at home. I got the Kaleidos. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am the king of off-brand. Any of my people here? Come on, how many off-branders do we have? How many of you would rather be caught dead than to have an off-brand? you got to have the premium brand. Let me hear you today. <laughs> I am the king of off-brand. I tell you what, because I don't want to have it at home. If I can't afford it, I'm going to at least buy the off I'm such the king of off-brand. We were having all these kids. I remember going to the hospital and saying, do you got some kind of off-brand delivery plan? Because you're all killing me with these prices. You got an off-brand kid? I... <laughs> Just joking. Don't get serious. But I am the king of all, and I would say stuff like this. I would say, well, they're made from the same company. I would say, they're actually pretty good. Now, actually, these are pretty good. <laughs> these are pretty good. But I learned this. I learned this. Some of the names that they come up with are hilarious. So we have Oreo and Kaleido. Kaleido. I have no idea what that even means. My, this is something in our family we joke about. It's a running joke we have in our family. We, if someone is a fail, if someone does something, we call that the Kroger brand such and such. Like, like that's just, oh, he looks like the Kroger brand cousin so-and-so. I mean, that's just how we do. That's how my family is. So the other day, my son, my youngest son was laughing. I, I went to the store, bought some cereal, and he liked Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> I brought a, <laughs> so I brought this box that was white box with black letters and a red square on it, and the name of the cereal was Cinnamon Squares. <laughs> And Josiah was like, Dad, they didn't even try. They just said <laughs> cinnamon squares. But that's my whole point today is this. Listen, branding is everything. I worked for 20 years in sales. I worked for Kraft Foods and Nestle Foods. And we sold name brand everything. And I understood very clearly as we studied the Nielsen numbers that off-brand is not the same as on-brand. As much as we want to think it is, cheaper stuff is cheaper stuff. There's a reason why these taste a little better. There's a reason why these don't. There's a reason why this package, you can reseal it. There's a reason why this one goes stale after about 30 minutes, because you can't reseal it. You know what I'm saying? These national brands would never put an inferior product in their package because they, rep they understand the brand name is everything. Those of you in sales, those of you in business, understand marketing and branding is everything. You might have the best product in the world, but if it's not represented right, if it's not advertised right, they aren't going to give you the time of day. So I believe the voice of the Lord is coming and saying, quit being an off-brand Christian in the marketplace. When I think, when I think of, of, of these types of things, I, there's only one person that comes to mind. Because the first part of that scripture, he says, don't be peddlers of merchandise, but be sincere. How many remember the old show, Green Acres? How many remember good old Mr. Haney? Mr. Douglas? Mr. Haney was the, the little guy that drove the little cart. Mr. and Mrs. Douglas was a business couple that went out to live in the country. And they lived in some zany world, Hooterville. And, and this whole show is great. It's hilarious. Watch it. it. It's hilarious. So Mr. Douglas was not a carpenter, but his house was always falling apart. And he always needed parts for his house. And, and so in order to get those parts from his house, he would buy them from the local garbage peddler called Mr. Haney, who always had what he needed, but it was just a little wrong. The part didn't quite work right. You know, you had to stand on your right foot and spin three times and it would work. And Mr. Douglas would buy it and it would make the problem worse. It was a running joke of this show. 
I believe the Lord is saying that today to us is that the world is hurting, the world is hungry, and he's not looking for us to show up like Mr. Haney with off-brand chips and off-brand cookies. I believe God is in heaven when we go out there. He's not saying, he's saying, that ain't supposed to look like that. If you were to take these cookies in front of the people that invented these, they would right away would say, they ain't supposed to taste like that. It ain't supposed to look like that. It ain't supposed to be like that. We do the same thing for the Lord. And God is saying enough. Be the real deal. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? One of the difference between these two is that they have a thing. Worship team, you can come. One of these, the difference between these two is one, they, they have a thing called quality control. You see, this company knows that their brand is everything. And they have people that periodically examine the goods to see if it lives up to the name. The Bible tells us in the word of God that God disciplines and chastens those that he loves. You see, it's easier to be off-brand. It's easier. It doesn't require anything. You have cheaper goods. It doesn't require any discipline. It doesn't require any sacrifice. It doesn't require any going after God. It doesn't require anything from us. That's why it's easier to be an off-brand Christian. But the problem is, instead of being the righteousness of God, we become the self-righteousness of flesh. We become judgmental. We become critical. We become cynical. And God is in heaven saying, you ain't supposed to look like that. That's not what I made. I, you ain't supposed to sound like, I don't sound like that. Quit representing me off-brand. I hope you understand the point today. The last thing is this. Talking back to fragrance is the last point. I believe the Lord has a challenge for us called response. And we'll open the altars in just a moment. The Lord is wanting us today, don't be nose blind. You ever see those commercials? This big giant nose. And they say, don't be nose blind. You walk into a room and you smell everything fine, but your friends walk in, they smell gym socks and rotten food. How many know what I'm talking about? How many seen those commercials? Don't be nose blind. How many know that sometimes we are the last person to know if we stink? But there's a term that the kids like to use these days. It's giving. Did I get that right? They got this thing called, it's giving. Now listen, when you walk into a room, you're giving something. You may not realize it, but when you walk into that room, you're giving. When my kids were little and come in from outside, they were giving outside. You know what I'm talking about. You and I, without realizing it, we're giving. We're giving either a fragrance of Christ or a stank of off-brand Christianity. And God is saying, as he is breathing life into this world again, he don't want the stench of off-brand Christianity. He wants the aroma of Christ that's going to cost us something guys we got to rid ourselves of the flesh we got to humble ourselves of our pride we got to get rid of the worldliness we got to get rid of the self-centeredness be the hands and feet of Christ have a heart of righteousness not off not self-righteousness amen well amen and amen I pray that message was a blessing to you that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord that's our prayer at River of Life that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.